Good morning, church. Right. So last week I started talking about the fear of people, the fear of people. And I tried to help us understand that the fear of people is a snare. The fear of people is a trap. Uh, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25 tells us that um, the fear of people is a dangerous trap. The fear of people is a dangerous trap. Let's go into fear. Let's go into Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25. Proverbs 29, 25. Is there anything I need to know? Proverbs 29, 25. So it says, I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, the fear of man, talking about the fear of people, it said, brings a snare. So the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be saved. The NLT says, let's look at the New Living Translation. New Living Translation, Proverbs 29, 25 says, Fearing people is a dangerous trap. Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. So many seek the ruler's favor, but justice comes from the Lord. The righteous despise the unjust. The wicked despise the godly. I'm going to come down to that shortly. But verse 25 says, Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. So, as I was saying earlier on that, when we fear people, when I say earlier on, I mean before we, we got cut off. When we fear people, when we seek on uh, on a healthy when we seek unhealth, when we seek the validation and acceptance of people in an unhealthy manner, or when we have an unhealthy desire for the acceptance and the validation of people, it takes away our freedom. It steals our freedom. It steals our joy because you cannot focus on what God has called you to do. You cannot look in the direction that God wants you to look. So you are busy looking to different areas, different angles to seek to get people approval. You know, I had a problem with this. And this is one of the reasons why it affected, I mean, one of the reasons why I had some health challenges because I was, I felt I was inadequate to do what God has called me to do. And I was expecting people, some authorities, some spiritual people to validate my calling, to tell me that I can do this. Trust me, none of them saw me credible enough to do what God has called me to do. I had, you know, someone had this perspective of, we need to help you. We need to send you to this person. We need to, you know, and they were not even committed. So even even if you want to help someone to grow and mature, to be able to do what God is calling them to do, you commit yourself to it, right? But they were not even committed to the process. And then some people even tried to give some kind of training. And I was like, you know, thank God for the courage he he gave me and how he opened my eyes. He opened my eyes to Sunday. you are years ahead of what they are thinking of you because they're trying to show us you know when you want to when you want to start church you know one thing this is important this is important and i'm like you know god help me i'm trying not to sound proud here but god opened my eyes to see that today that is level level one but you are on level five and you be and God opened my eyes how He has been so how He has been training me for over ten years and preparing me for this. But still, but yet I still was not confident to step into it. Now I'm not saying that I came into ministry into pastoring uh, based on based on the fact that I saw myself credible or worthy enough. Now you cannot be credible or worthy enough to do what God has called you to do in your own eyes, right? Because you know I'm not a Bible scholar, right? I just God says it's time to go into this. He gave me an ultimatum and I jumped into it. But this first six months, you know, in this ministry was was hard for me because, okay, we started in June. I think I started seeing myself as a person uh, who is able to do this in November. So June to that month of November was a struggle because I was overwhelmed with a sense of inadequacy. And that sense of inadequacy was based on the fact that some people don't see me to be what to be credible enough to do what God has called me to do. Can you see that it doesn't I wasn't thinking intelligently? I was not thinking. My head was not, I wasn't thinking straight. And it wasn't my fault as such. I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to make excuse for myself. But when I was growing up, there was a way that the fathers that we know back then told, told us, you know, to 
come into ministry, like you need to go on like maybe 72 days fasting and praying and some kind of weird stuff they've asked us to do, right? Which I cannot even do. Amen. So the fact that some people did some stuff before they went to ministry does not mean you should do it. You know, they used to say these things like you need to birth, you need to birth your ministry. Just like some people, some, I can't, I don't know how to call it. You know how a woman gives birth to a child? You need to birth the ministry in prayer. It's a lie. Because the ministry is not something you birth. The ministry is delivered to you by God. And that's why Apostle Paul was giving thanks to God who counted him worthy of this ministry. So the ministry was given to Apostle Paul. The ministry is given to me. The ministry is given to you. It's not birthed in prayer. I'm not saying we should do it. We should not pray to prepare ourselves for the ministry, to hear God's direction, to know God's timing. But many of the things that I was taught before I got into ministry were crap. And the things that hindered me so much. And as a result, I, I got myself into this trap of seeking the approval of people before I get stopped into this. Thank God for Andrew Womack. You know, I went for a minister's conference. You know, Andrew doesn't know me, right? So, and, and I know Andrew. Andrew doesn't play games. He's not political. You know, he's a neutral person. And I spoke to him about what God is calling me to do. And he looked me in the eyes. He said, man, young man, he said, you will succeed very well in what God is calling you to do. You will succeed very well in what God is calling you to do. And God will give you every wisdom you need to excel in this. It, it, the man picked what was going on in my spirit. I don't, you know, I just go for ministers conference. We catch up with Andrew as ministers. He's in an amazing man. He's one of the men I respect most in my life. Very accessible, very honest. And I'm trusting God to be as honest like Andrew. <laughs> I'm honest. I need to be more honest like him. I'm not saying I'm not dishonest. I'm saying I want to be more, I want to be as honest as he is. Amen. Praise God. So just think about how many people have been affected, whose life have been, you know, who have, I don't want to say lost, lost their blessing, but who, who have kind of deprived of the blessing and the healing and the deliverance of God because I was looking for the acceptance and validation of some men of God which with all due respect to themselves, with all due respect, don't know what they are doing. I can say with this with all boldness because comparing what they do with what I see in the Bible, they don't know what they are doing. So how can you know or tell that the person you are looking up to, those people know what they are doing? You know, every, any and everybody can put up a, they can put up a show. They can appear somehow. They can appear original. Is a lie. Many of them is a lie. You just need to go into people's closet. I mean, in their house and see what they are up to. Anybody can give themselves a title, a name, a senior consultant, um, business consultant. See, I see all these things on Clubhouse. I see it on LinkedIn. People will give themselves all manner of title, making you to see them in a, placing them on a particular pedestal. But in your business, in my business, you and I should focus on what God is calling us to do. So I'm saying that to say, if we keep seeking the validation and the acceptance of people for us to do what God is calling us to do, we'll miss out on God's purpose. I repeat, we will miss out on God's purpose. We will miss out on God's plan. Amen. So these are the consequences of um, fear of people that I said I was going to start calling out today. So a lot of people are being deprived of their blessing, their joy, because you are not stepping into what God has called you to do and you're still looking left, right and center, waiting for somebody to come and approve what God has called you to do. We, who owns your life? Who owns my life? God. Right. Thank God. It's not as if I'm kind. I'm trying to have a dig at you guys. That's why I'm looking. I'm using my own life as an example. Right. It took me a lot of time, a, a long time actually, but I eventually got there, and I'm still on that journey, building confidence and boldness that I'm not called by man. I'm called by God, and God leads me in the path I should go. What I should do. Amen. Now imagine. I did not go by the due date that God gave me. I mean, the ultimatum, the, the, the final date, he told me that he would, he wouldn't tolerate my holding back. You know, the day asked me to go live. Imagine I did not go live. Imagine I'm still sucking up, still going around these men of God who thinks I'm unworthy, I'm, I'm not credible enough. Imagine me still going around them and they are playing me left, right and center. Imagine how, if, do you know how many people, how many people this ministry has touched? Even though we are still at the very infancy stage. I mean, let me not go into details. How many people? Now, I know that if we had not stepped into this, at least one person will have died. Because we were able to intercept a case at some point when someone were literally were facing death. 
Imagine we had not stepped into this. I know this for sure. At least one person will have died because we did not step into what God is calling us to do. So if you don't step into what God is calling you to do because you are still waiting for people to approve you, you are depriving people of their life. Let me make it sound kind of extreme. But it is true. Amen. So the fear of people, the unhealthy desire and approval for, of people will cause you to miss out on God's purpose. Another, thing it will, the another way it will affect you is that it will cause you to reject the word of God. I was saying last week that, see, you can't put the approval of human beings and the approval of God on the same scale. If you put both of them, sorry, on the same, on the same weight, they can't have this equal weight in your life. Now, the one that weighs more is the one affecting your life. So if you are more conscious of what people say or think of you, it means that you are struggling with the fear of men, with the fear of people. But you need to learn to honor God's word above the words of men, above what people think of you. And when you put more weight, more focus, more faith and trust in what God says about you, you realize that you believe, you increase in faith because you believe God more and you'll be able to experience the power of God. But if you put more weight on what people think of you and how people perceive you and what people say about you, you realize that you become unstable. And even when you see the word of God, you reject it because you, you, you have placed more value and focus on what people think of you. And I see these in many Christian circles today where Christians are not saying what they're supposed to say. Christians are not standing for righteousness. Christians are not standing for justice because they fear people. Many pastors, they want the approval of government, uh, of the government, of politicians. They don't want to lose their money. They don't want to lose no, money. I mean, maybe a provision that the government prepares for churches or something. They don't want to lose face among kings. So they don't say the truth. So they begin to reject the word of God. I was once told of this pastor, uh, I think the prime minister or the whole, the, or maybe the former prime minister or I think the wife prime minister, but someone in government attended his church and this guy did not mention Jesus all through the service. He did not mention Jesus all through the service. He was using another name to describe Jesus in the service because he did not want to offend the government official that was there. Something is not right with the way we are thinking when we begin to act that way. And he did not start that day. That way of thinking started a long time ago. And we need to begin to check our hearts from this moment, asking ourselves questions. Do I honor people more than I honor God? Do I honor people more than I honor God? So the fear of people, unhealthy desire for acceptance and validation uh, from people, we cause you to reject God's word. You begin to believe a lie. Many people that I've seen today who have kind of backslided, you know, when I say backslided, I mean they have withdrawn from, you know, from God to a very much extent. At the root of many of it is unhealthy, is the fear of people. They want to be accepted. See, I have family friends, kind of family friends, who don't really, who don't believe in God like that. I mean, when I say like that, they don't truly, truly believe in God. And they seem to have people around them. They're one of those people that people want to be around them because, you know, they, they just seem to be like nice people, but they don't really trust God. You know, I worked on my relationship with them. I don't need to come and greet you. I don't need to be your friend. We've been together for many years, but at this point, we have to just, you know, draw a line in the sand and say, stay on that side, stay on this side. We talk on the phone. It must never happen to me that I visit someone and I'm not comfortable to talk about my father and my God. What's that about? I know at, in our workplaces, there are guidelines, there are rules. That's fine. Because the workplace is not for the place for us to go and preach the gospel. We are, we, went there to, we are going there to work. Render a service. We get paid. We go home. Though we have opportunities to minister the gospel and we should not lose those opportunities but it's not the same thing as going to somebody's house anybody's house that you will have to visit that you need to visit or you should visit and you are not comfortable to talk about christ and god is not the place you should be going and when people are coming to your house they should know that see you are a child of god see, you must be proud of being a child of the father See, let not the word make you feel like you are the odd one out or something is wrong with you because they are sick they are not happy with themselves 
Many of them are on drugs, you know, struggling with suicidal thoughts and many, depression and all manner of stuff. But you can't see these things because they put up a facade. They look as if every, they have everything together. It is a lie. If you are trained to listen, you will hear what people are saying. You will know they are having problems. They will jest about something. They will joke about something. Friends, I feel the Lord is saying to us this morning that don't be carried away by the superficial, um, there's a word I'm looking for, artificiality of men. You know, when they, these things are not real, so you cannot know what is truly the state of a person's life by how they talk and what they look like. Only God knows what is going on behind the scenes. And that's why you as a believer should focus on what God says about you. Just hold on to God. Believe the word of God. So don't try to be a friend of governors. Don't try to be a friend of politicians. You know, back in the days, you know, we, we, when we take pictures with a man of God, we feel so special, you know, and this is not going right, to rob, rob a lot of people the right way. You know, God has been praying for a long time for this, and I can, I can see now with this example coming to my mind. If I take a selfie with a man of God, except for people like Andrew Mack, who is a father to me, right, and few people, but the popular men of God who are heavily celebrated, who have made a name for themselves based on something, I don't even seek to have a picture with them. No. I take selfie. I take picture with Andromeda because he's very open. And I mean, this guy is just a lovely guy. I'm not trying to praise Andrew this morning, but as it's an example of the few men whose trust is in the Lord and not in people. He doesn't try, he's not trying to make a name for himself. But these other men who are celebrities, you know, that people are taking picture with, I will never, I will never, I repeat, and I'm not joking, I will never. Again, because I've taken one of them that has passed on, I will never again go and sit down and take picture and say, I was with this person. It will never happen again. Because what we don't know that we're trying to do, we're trying to validate our, <laughs> we're trying to build a reputation on the status or social acceptance of these people. And it's killing us. Amen. So, the fear of people will cause us to reject God's word. The fear of people will make us to miss out on God's purpose. The fear of people will cause us to disobey God. We're going to look at the life of uh, um, Brother Saul this morning, King Saul. I said the fear of people will, cause, will make us lose God's plan for our lives. Another thing is that the fear of people will make us covetous. What it means to be covetous is having or showing a great desire to possess something belonging to someone else. Excuse me. Some people, they want to be accepted among their peers. They want to be recognized. They want to be approved. They want to be appreciated. They want to have recognition. And they look at this circle of their friends. They look at what makes those people to be validated and accepted. Maybe they have a, hus uh, a, a, a handsome husband whom I'm about, to, I'm about to say something. I'm about to say something. So get ready for this. And I, I slow down here so that people don't think I just talk anyhow. Maybe one of, maybe the ladies, when they come to have conversations with one another, you know, they talk about how handsome their husband is. Then some of them, they are in a contract with a guy to be their boyfriend. As pastors, we see things. They're in a contract with a guy to keep appearing as their boyfriend because they want to save a face and they want to they want to be uh, validated and recognized among their peers. Some of them, the fine boy, the handsome guy who is their husband, is a second cousin of the devil himself because of the way he tortures and beat them up. But as long as they can have this selfie that makes them look like a happy couple and you know and they can get all those likes and follows on instagram they are fine something is not right with the way we are thinking it's the fear of people and some people because they want to fit into that class they start manipulating people they start doing all manner of evil stuff with men i'm talking to women now because they want to be able to identify with that guy and call the guy their boyfriend so that they can present this guy to their peers we are not thinking straight. You and I know that this thing is putting us in bondage. And some people, because they want to be able to fit into the category of a certain ministers who have a private jet, 
I need to really, I need to kind of, um, it's a pinch myself here. Because if I unload here, I'm going to offend many people. Not that I want to offend people, uh, but I don't know how to hold back the truth. So welcome to Transformers Church, the Church of Light. Hallelujah. Jesus said we are the light of the world. So some men and women, women of God, because they want to be recognized among men and women of God. Friends, I'll tell you the truth. The covetousness and the greed, the carnality. Am I to, I don't need to regulate my, I'm fine. So my, the church said I, I'm fine. So let me, let me apply some passion. The carnality, the wickedness, the covetousness, the greed among popular and notorious men of God is horrible. If you hear what they say, if you hear, there's a particular minister of the, of the gospel, very well respected, I think thousands of millions of followers. When this person comes to other ministers' church, this person comes with their own counting machine. Before the minister in the service, in the conference, before the minister, they will tell you what percentage of the offering they will take. And as soon as they finish collecting the offering, they go to a particular place and they count all the offering and this person comes with their bodyguard and they split the money right there and there. And the church of the man they go to to do all this nonsense is somebody many of us know very well in the UK. But I'm privileged to be able to hear what's going on behind the scenes. So an innocent and unsuspecting minister of the gospel who wants to identify with this gang of people, right, would then start thinking of how he or she can manipulate the church or leave or, or, or take credit card or buy things on credit so that they can feel recognized in that setting. See, any setting you go into and you are recognized only because of your material possession is an evil setting. Any company, any association, any group that you have, that you, that when you go into that place, the only way they recognize you is because of what you have. It's an evil and ungodly setting. It's not the setting or the group of Jesus Christ. And it should not be found there. Friends, young ministers, people of the church, church people, members of the family of God, let's start thinking correctly. Let's start understanding the essence of the gospel. The reason why we are Christians is not to come and seek attention, approval, recognition, or become celebrities in front of some people. There should be no such thing as a celebrity pastor or a celebrity Christian. Jesus is our example. He has called us to serve one another. So all this trying to go to church to dress in a way that everybody will recognize you is evil practice. I'm not trying to insult you. But it's evil practice. I was once there. I used to be part of a church that when you are suited up is when they recognize you. If you wear a t-shirt to the church like I'm wearing now, they don't recognize you. They see you as somebody who is not serious. A useless person. I mean, and they will give you the look. <clears throat> Let me give an example. So this church, they were having a conference. It's part of, the, uh, it's part of them. And it's to let you know that I'm looking for how to really explain this. And I'm hoping that God is just communicating to you how to you guys. Because this thing is so heavy in my heart. To use, for you to know that covetousness, greed, and fear of people can be pa is passed down from many leaders of the gospel to us, many of us today, and it's affecting our relationship with God. And many of us have been affected by this, but we don't know. I've shared my story of how it affected me and um, help you, you know, you're you able to find your own, how this thing's affecting you too. Right. So I was coming from school. I was in uni back then. So I was wearing my, I think I was wearing a t-shirt and a jumper and I was wearing jeans and I had my backpack. Then I went to the church office. Do you know the security blocked me? They did not allow me in. The protocol, this, every, they, they did not give me access. Until someone in the church office came out and like, ah, Sunday, that's you. Like, he's our guy. And the first thing the security guy looked at, he looked at me from head to toe. Like, how can this guy be part of you guys? And I was playing, playing do my stuff in the church office and stuff like that. And he, he couldn't just figure it out like, why would they allow this guy in t-shirt and jeans into the church office? It does not make sense because everybody is suited up. Guys, we have been mentally <laughs> confused. I didn't say we are confused. I say somebody did it to some people did it to us. They have confused us mentally to think wrongly. 
Did James not tell you that if somebody come into your church and one is dressed in royal apparel, and you said to that person, sit on this nice chair, and one came in and not properly dressed, not, well, not indecently dressed, but not dressed in royal robe like the first person that came in, and you treat the one well-dressed, James chapter 2, go and read it, and you treat the one well-dressed, you know, with, um, with, you treat them with honor and, you know, you treat them special in a sense. And the one that is wearing t-shirt like uh, Captain Tunde here, you're like, hey, sit at my foot. He said, you have committed sin because you are, you are, you are committing favoritism. Amen. You have placed value on one because of how he or she appears or look. And you have devalued the one that, not, not, that does not look royal like the other one. And these are the practices in the church today. And we got to kill it because it is evil. Let's read it. I know I have a lot to cover. So, but, and I know I'm rushing a little bit, but let's read it. Let's go to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Now, let's start, let's start this. James chapter 2, I'm reading the NLT. And um, from verse 1, it said, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? <laughs> I like how the Bible speaks. Because if I was one speaking like this, they would say that the people would say, I'm mean. So let's, let's read it the way the Bible speaks to us. Because if Pastor Tunde is saying this, people get offended. Not many people. The, the, the mature people in our church, they are blessed. But many people get offended. So, let me now speak to you in the language of the Bible. Don't forget what I said last week. No more political correctness. What we have from, to, from last week is biblical correctness. Amen. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim, did I say that? No, the Bible says, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? So let me now say it to you as the Bible said it. <laughs> How can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you have if you favor some people over others? I didn't say it, I only repeated what the Bible said to you. Amen. For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. And okay, let's carry on. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor, to the poor one, you can stand over there or hell sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that you, your judgments are guided by evil motives? Did you see what the Bible says there? Verse 4. Doesn't this discrimination, so somebody said discrimination. discrimination. So discrimination in the church is an evil practice. You may say, well, how does this tie with the fear of people? Don't forget what I was talking about. People want to fit into a category of people who have special effects. And they start living on credit. They start doing all manner of evil things so that they can fit into that group. And I'm saying to you that that thinking that comes from the church, from leadership of the church, where they cause us to treat people with disdain and to treat people who are not in fancy clothes or jewelry or driving expensive cars, that practice that is making many of us church followers to start thinking covetously, that thinking is evil. I didn't write the Bible. The Bible says it is evil. Amen. And God does not want you to try to fit yourself into that circle of Christians. No. No. Discrimination ought not to be in the church. Everyone is valued the same in the eyes of Jesus. People are not going to like it. Everyone is valued the same in the eyes of God. Because I'm a pastor does not make me superior to the members of the church. No. I'm a pastor of the church by the reason of assignment. And a leadership um, responsibility that Jesus has entrusted to me. And I'm going to give an account of how I lead the people of the church. So my position in the church is a, is, is a responsibility, not a position where I should be deified. Amen. 
And this ought not to be in the church. All of, the root of all of this is the fear of people. Amen. Amen. Fear of people. Praise the Lord. So I said we're going to look at the life of Brother Saul. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 15. So here I want to look at the fear of people will cause you to disobey God. So 1 Samuel chapter 15. Verse, we'll, start on, we'll start from verse 17. So this is a story about when Saul made a sacrifice he ordered to make. The sacrifice was meant to be made by uh, the priest or the prophet. But this guy just went ahead and do it. But let's look at the reason why he did this. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 17. And Samuel told him, Although you may think lit- okay, although you may think little of yourself, this is um, NLT. You know what? Let me read New King James, New King James for you guys. So first Samuel 15. Yeah, I like this one better. So first Samuel 15, 17. Says, so Samuel said, When you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on the mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission. Look at this. So (laughs) Saul is saying, yeah, he's done one part of the assignment. Let's carry on. So verse 20, I'll take it again. And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekite. But the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. <laughs> I'll come back to that verse 21 uh, to, tell you, uh, to, to uh, show you what we need to pay careful attention to there. So Samuel said, as the Lord as great okay, as the Lord has great delight in bond offerings and sacrifices. We'll come back to that, verse 22. As in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the lord he has also rejected you from being king mark that as well then Saul said to samuel i have sinned for i have transgressed the commandment of the lord and your words because because i feared the people and obeyed their voice because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. He wanted the people to continue to see him as king. He, he valued the words and the, and, and the commitment or, and the acceptance of the people more than he valued that of God. Now that lost him his kingship. And this has a lot of consequences, even impact on the people. Let's go back to verse 21 that I said I want us to look at. It said, But the people took the plunder, sheep, the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Now, the fear, what I'm trying to call out here is this, the fear of people will make us to find a kind of religious excuse to disobey God. But we are doing this for God. This is for the benefit of the kingdom of God. This is for the advancement of the kingdom of God. But that was not true. So what I'm trying to say is that the fear of people will get us to deceive ourselves into thinking we are doing this for the will of God. I hope you have an understanding because I have a lot of examples in my mind, but I'm out of time now. You know how, because you want people to approve you, you want people to accept you, you want people to recognize you, and you kind of do something wrong, that, and you, you wrap it around spirituality. Spirituality. 
you know, <laughs> pastors get this. I'm trying to use, I'm trying not to really have a dig at pastors today, but because I'm a very nice person, amen. amen. But I've seen this a lot in leadership. So the Lord said to you, don't go and speak in a conference. Don't go and speak in a conference. And maybe to some extent it shows you what is behind the conference. Friends, because not all conferences are, are, are organized by, are reached by God. Many conferences you see, especially big conferences, there are stuff going on behind the scenes. Like I told you of one that happens every year in the UK, but behind the scenes, it was a money thing. And that's not the only one. There are many of them. So I'm calling the attention of Christians to the reality of the fact that you must learn to walk by the Spirit. <laughs> you must learn to depend on God for direction. Not everything that seems spiritual is spiritual. It may sound spiritual. It may seem like some people are healed. You want to hear more? Even in some meetings, some healing that you see, they are fake. In some meetings that you attend, and they even actually see miracles. I mean, true miracles. Over 80% of those miracles are lost. Healing, deliverance are lost when people go back to their homes. As a pastor, I'm, I'm kind of giving you the privilege for you to know and to see what's going on behind the scenes. I'm not condemning all conferences and all ministrations, but I'm saying that it's not all conferences that you see that you attend. Be careful. Let the Holy Ghost minister to you. Even if all your friends say they are going there, if there's no peace in your heart, don't go. There are conferences held by great men of God that I respect, I honor, that they do every year. But there's more going on behind the scenes than what you can see. So many of them have stopped attending. Something is behind this manipulation. Many of these things, some of these things are to used to raise money. They are stuff going on behind the scenes. Friends, please let's have your Lord help us this morning. Let's learn to start walking by the spirit and don't pay attention to whatever anybody might be saying. See, there might be a conference going on somewhere and, and, and all your friends are going. If the Holy Spirit tells you don't go, do not go. You are accountable to God. So one of the things God showed me this morning when I was preparing for this message is this. is to tell you that, yes, everybody around you can be wrong. And you, only, you, you will be the only person who is right. But sometimes, even though we have strong conviction in our spirit that we should not go in a particular direction, but because everybody else is doing it, we say, no, it must be God. Ah, this, this pastor, this prophet... These evangelists, they are doing this. Those guys can be acting on the fear of men because they want to be recognized or they want to be identified or associated with some men of God. And they will tell you to do some things that you ought not to do. Personally, there's something that I'm thinking of doing and I'm still checking myself. Tony, are you doing this out of your heart or because you don't want this person to be offended? But if I don't do it, some people will really get offended. I'm thinking about it. I wish I could give you more, more, more information, but because someone dear to my heart, you know, is involved in it. So I'm just going to be quiet about that. But trust me, if I find out from my heart that what is really driving to do it is fear of people, I won't do it. And this person, this person and I may have a fallout for some time. I won't bother. Because for my own good. Because the thing is this, when you begin to give room to the fear of people in a place, in one just small spot, it will keep getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, When you start giving room to the fear of people, recognition of people, just little by little, it starts getting bigger. Because the thing is, is, your flesh will like it. And to connect it back to what I was talking about, you know, connecting it to King Saul's situation, then you begin to spiritualize it. But God knows that I need this house to be able to use it for fellowship. But at the core of your heart is because you want to prove on a, you want to prove to some people that you, you have made it. So you go to prayer and you try to spiritualize and manipulate God in a, in a sense to get certain things. And you wonder why your prayers are not being answered or you or the prayers or you see the result of the prayer, but it brings evil into your life. You're like, but God gave me this. No, no, no. God did not give it to you this. You manipulated the forces of the spirit. You manipulated your way to get the thing. I'm exposing the evil in our life. I'm exposing how the devil is, is having a stab at many of us. So Saul there, he said, ah, no. But the people took the plunder, took up the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed. Can you see that? Which should have been utterly destroyed. So he knows that it should have been destroyed. Single ladies, that's why I said, if you listen carefully to people, 
to men. Those horrible guys, right? You we, you we. See, the thing is this. A man cannot keep the content, cannot hide his heart for too long. It will slip out. It now depends on you are on the receiving hand. Are you listening? Are you listening or carried away by the fact that he has a broad chest, six pack, and is driving a nice car? And he can call scriptures. <laughs> Friends, single ladies, marriage can either ruin your life or help you in fulfilling God's plan for your life. And marriage should be about the latter, the latter, helping you to fulfilling God's purpose for your life. But most cases, marriage has ruined people's lives because they went in the direction they hold not to go. Now, I'm not saying that God specify or design a particular person for a particular person. That's not what I'm saying. But there's some people that you should not even be having conversations with. I repeat, I'm not trying to say that God has specially designed some a particular guy for a particular woman or a particular woman for a particular guy. But there's some people that you should not even go around them because they will ruin your life. So knowing that marriage can help you to fulfill God's plan for your life, and it doesn't mean that your marriage is tied to the fulfillment of purpose. Let's be clear about that. About that. So some people say, you know, I want to get married so that I can fulfill God's plan, God's plan and purpose for my life. It's a lie. No, God's plan for your life will be fulfilled either you are married or not. Your assignment is to focus on what God is calling you to do. But if you're thinking that it's marriage that will help you to fulfill God's plan for your life, you are very wrong. Your marriage, getting married, you know, getting married to the right person, to, to somebody who fears the Lord, who knows the Lord, you know, can really be very, very helpful in fulfilling God's purpose for your life. But that doesn't mean that if you're not married, you, you will not be able to fulfill your purpose. So what if the man leaves you along the line? Or God forbid, what if he disobeys God and he died in a car, in a car crash? Does that mean that your purpose and your life is ruined? No, let's get our thinking straight. Amen. Let's get our thinking straight. So let's be very careful. Let's start learning to assess ourselves. So it's not about whether Pastor Tunde will be excited about what you want to do. Check with yourself first. What you're trying to do. Are you trying to show off to your work colleagues? Are you trying to get the acceptance of the pastor? I'll repeat this. People should not do things for the validation and the acceptance of the pastor. You see, this evil practice in churches whereby <laughs> pastors are playing teams against teams is evil. When they praise one team and they, they, they dispraise one another team, you know, talk another team, these practices are evil. And at the root of all of this is somebody trying, is that somebody is proud in their own mind, they see themselves as a god? I just feel like, I just feel like praying for all of us now to start praying, like, let's start praying for ourselves. Because a lot of us have been heavily deceived. And we wonder why there's no stability in our life. We wonder why we, can, we cannot walk in a peaceful relationship with God. It's because the fear of people has been embedded in our subconscious mind. And God wants us free. And <laughs> even as much as I'm struggling, I want to get into my message to finish this today. I feel the Lord you know, laying bodies in my heart and I'm calling out things going on in people's lives. For most of the things I've called out today are the issues in the heart of the people that are on this service that are watching this. Amen. Praise the Lord. So that's how King Saul tried to spiritualize what um, should be utterly destroyed. And um, said people, people wanted to offer it to God. And Saul said to him, said, God, God prefers obedience rather than sacrifice. So I'm saying to you, God prefers obedience to sacrifice. It's not about whether God will forgive you or not. It's about doing what God calls you to do. Do it regardless of what people think of you. You know, Paul said when, when Jesus called him, he said, he conferred not with flesh and blood. He was not looking around thinking about, you know, is what God telling me to do? Is this right? No, he didn't seek the consent and approval of men. And God was speaking this particular verse to me when he called me to start pastoring. He said, I conferred not with flesh and blood. But because the fear, the recognition, the approval, the validation of men was so much embedded in me. Because... I, you know, I just felt, based on what I was taught, that except a man of God approves your calling, you know, your calling is not valid. It's a bloody lie. And when I say bloody, I mean, I mean blood. It's a bloody lie that except one pastor, one prophet somewhere approves your calling, that your calling is not approved. It's a lie. If there's any word more heavier than bloody, please add it. Don't swear. 
is a lie. It is an utter lie from the pit of hell. Who is the man to stand before God to validate your purpose and your calling? Did they create you? For a man of God to say, you know what, until I prove your ministry, until I attest to it, that, that your ministry is not authentic. You know, when I slow down there, you know, you know I'm trying to control myself, right? It's a lie. And they have been deceived. Amen. Okay, I'm going to let you guys go. So I can only pause. I don't shut down. Uh, I can only pause because it's con- it continues. Amen. Yeah, I hope this has blessed you. Uh, it, something that I, I called out in the first service, and uh, not in the first service, uh, are we praying for two services now? Something I called out before we lost uh, connection was what God laid in my heart about uh, fear of horror of people. And I want to repeat that. You know, you should not be afraid of people or maybe they will harm you or they will reject you or they will cast you away or, you know, that fear is not from God and God has not designed you to live in that kind of fear. Amen. The Bible says that God has delivered us from the power and the dominion of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. You know, God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. God does not want us to live in oppression. So if there's any relationship in your life that is oppressing you, you want to step out of that relationship. But if it's something that has to do with your marriage, you will need to go for counseling as soon as possible. Because that thing is going to kill you. Like I said earlier on, you know, for each time you stay in an oppressive environment, you will not be able to hear God. You will not be able to see what God is calling you to do. And um, many people's lives will be affected. You know, some people, perhaps they wouldn't have committed suicide if you had not stayed in that environment and have committed yourself to do what God has called you to do. And God has, you know, you're able to figure out that, you know, God is laying this particular person on your heart and, and they need a word of comfort. Or you put something on social media or put something somewhere. God does not want us to stay or live in environments where we are afraid of people, fear, and a kind of horror fear. You know, what if it's lasting? What if it beats me? If you're in a relationship whereby you're afraid the man can beat you or the woman can beat you, you are in a wrong relationship. I repeat, if you're in a relationship whereby you are always afraid if the man may beat you up or the man may beat you up, you're in a wrong relationship. You need to get out. I repeat, you need to get out because it's not just about you. It's about many other lives that your life has been designed to affect. And if you remain in that relationship because of your status or because you don't want your friends or your family to think your marriage failed, you are doing yourself a disservice because now it's now rooted in the fear of people because you don't want people to think you're a failure. So you remain in, the, in, in a relationship that is killing you and indirectly killing people because you have not been able to see that your people's lives depend on your life, regardless of how you see it. I think religion has taught us to think only about ourselves and to men of God. You know, I mean, in that kind of relationship, symbiotic relationship, you know, you give to the church, they give to you. But many of us don't think outside of that relationship with the church. We don't realize that church is to prepare you to do the work of the ministry, that God has called you to a particular assignment. Christianity is not about you and church, you going to church and you're born again. No, there's an assignment upon your life. There's a purpose on your life. There's a reason why God created you. And people like, pastors like me are to prepare you, train you to do that work. So if you're in a relationship that is abusive and because you don't want other people to, to look down on you, you are robbing yourself of your purpose. I don't advocate divorce. But in a certain instance, when, when things are so bad in the marriage, the, both parties just have to go uh, separate ways, except we want one of them to die. So when a person die from a bodily abuse or bodily harm by the other party, is that the will of God for their life? So those churches will say things like, if you divorce, that you are going to hell. That doctrine, with all due respect, is a doctrine of demons. You don't need to like it, but fine. It's a doctrine of demons. Because you are not you're not thinking about the affected party. You're not thinking about that person's life. You are thinking about the marriage. Have you forgotten that marriage was in place before Christianity? 
marriage was instituted before Christianity. So marriage is older than Christianity. And marriage has nothing to do with people's salvation. And so if marriage has nothing to do with the salvation of a person, how would marriage, a failed marriage, affect a people's eternal life? How do we get eternal life? Through our faith in the Lord Christ Jesus. So it is a doctrine of demons, I repeat. It's a doctrine of demons to think or to teach people that if their marriage failed, they will end up in hell. Why didn't their marriage save them, save them in the first place? So we are not thinking correctly. Our head is not straight if you are thinking that way. We need to wake up. The fact that that doctrine was passed down to you and I from some fathers does not mean they are correct. Who is your Lord, your father in the faith or the Bible? Even the book of Matthew, Jesus told the people, he said, you know, Moses allowed you guys to divorce because of the hardness of your heart. Are we reading our Bible? Are we doing church or we are following Christ? Are we thinking? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Finally, Apostle, we take it off from here next week. Chew those things. Think on those things. Send me your feedback. And if you need more clarity on stuff, share with me. Today has been a bit kind of a burden in my heart. There's so much burden in my heart. I don't know what people, members of the church are going through and our viewers are going through or listeners are going through, but there's so much burden in my heart. And it's, it's so heavy in my heart that I'm just, I'm just pulling them out as, as much as I can. Amen. I just feel like praying for you guys. Father, I pray for the people in the name of the Lord Jesus. There's so much you have called out today for the help to help the people. And I just pray for strength for the people today. Father, for I can sense the burden in your heart for the freedom of the people. And Lord, I pray for them today in the name of the Lord Jesus that the people will be able to stand their ground even though their legs are shaking. And they will be able to stand their ground and walk out of those relationships and associations and groups that are holding them captive and in bondage i pray for faith i pray for strength for courage in in the heart of your people to to walk out of these oppressions that you have not put them in in the name of jesus i pray that your eyes are opened to see that freedom the beauty of the freedom you have given to us in christ so that they can walk into it in the name of jesus thank you holy spirit in jesus name we pray